Welcome to the Global Australian Podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the Global Australian Network. We're the non-profit organisation committed to strengthening Australia by nurturing a globally connected mindset at home and abroad. One of the ways we do this is by shining a spotlight on the impact of extraordinary global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet 25 game changers recognised in the 2023 Global Australian Awards. These remarkable individuals generously share their stories with us, giving us insight into their international career journey, its highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know the inspiring game changers of 2023. In this episode, we meet Dr. Jesse Christensen, a 2023 game changer in the emerging leader category. Dr. Jesse Christensen is an astrophysicist and lead scientist at NASA's Exoplanet Science Institute and the Exoplanet Archive at the California Institute of Technology. Jesse's research focuses on the study of exoplanets, which are planets around other stars. Joining me on this interview is Kathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. I guess so, to kick off, Jesse, we'd love to hear how you would describe your what you do, let's say if you were addressing a high school audience. Sure, so I am the lead scientist at NASA's Exoplanet Archive. So exoplanets are planets around other stars, and in the last three decades we found over 5,000. Uh, so NASA wanted to keep track of all of these planets that we found. Uh, so we have the NASA Exoplanet Archive, and I'm the scientist in charge of making sure that the archive is everything it can be. And did you always see this as your goal, working for NASA, working in this space of exoplanets? (laughs) So when I was a kid growing up in Australia, I had no idea that astronomy was a job, was was something that you could get paid to do, that people would pay you to look at the sky. Um, So no, I had no idea that I would become a planet hunter and work for NASA. I went to university and I knew I loved science, uh, so I started doing all these different science subjects. And that was when I discovered that astronomy research was a career. Uh, So that's when I started focusing. And about that time was when we really started to ramp up our search for exoplanets, planets around other stars. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to be a planet hunter. I want to discover whole new worlds around other stars. Uh, And it wasn't until I moved to America that I realized I could work for NASA and do that. Um, So I had no idea that I would become a NASA planet hunter, but I'm very, very glad that I did. And what do you think it was about um, hunting for planets and, and looking for them and understanding them? What motivates you to do that? Why do you think it's important? I think deep down, we all have a need to explore and discover and and be the first to find something new that we can just own for a moment and just be like, wow, I'm the only person who has seen this or done this or been here. So the fact that we were discovering exoplanets around other stars right as I was ramping up my research career was just such excellent timing. I mean, I always loved looking at the planets in our solar system. So Jupiter and Saturn, Mars, they have all these features. They're so gorgeous and mysterious and strange and beautiful. So the idea that we were finding those kinds of worlds around other stars and that they needed people to come and help was uh, enthralling and exciting and enticing. And you mentioned that 
the the love of this field or the interest in this field was part of um, once you got to the US, how did that come about? And, and what what do you think it was about being in the US and doing your research in the US that, that led you to this field? So when I was a PhD student in Australia, I spent four years looking at 88,000 stars trying to find planets. And, and I didn't find any, um, but they still gave me the PhD because I tried really hard. Um, and when I was getting to the end of my PhD, there were so many research groups in America, in the US, that were getting all of this funding because this field was so new and exciting that I knew that if I went to the US, I'd have so many more opportunities to try so many different ways to look for planets. Uh, and luckily for me, this job, this perfect job came up. Uh, I would have written down this job if I was gonna describe my perfect job and then I saw it advertised. So I got to move to Boston and work at Harvard University with one of the world's premier exoplanet hunters. Uh, and finally, finally start to get my hands on some super, super exciting data and finally start finding planets. I have to imagine it can't be smooth sailing and excitement every day. What are some of the challenges in your work and some of the highlights? So I would say the challenge with any kind of research science is that you don't know what you're going to find and you don't know if you're looking in the right place in the right way. So you really have to, it takes a lot of self-motivation to keep going when you've spent years and years and years looking for these planets and not finding them. And, and you're sure they're out there. If you could just look at the data in a slightly different way or, or get a new instrument to analyze it. Um, so it's just that ability to keep going and keep pushing yourself when you know that you're so close to the answer. So the challenge is getting through those dry spells where months and even years go by without success. And, and you can really start to doubt whether, you know, this is worth spending all this time on. But, but then when you see it, but then when you look at the data and you see a new planet, you're like, yes, there it is. So those are the highlights, the days when you find a new planet in the data and you get to email your colleagues and be like, here it is. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. Those are the highlights. And about how often is that? So you go through all that hard work. How often do you have those highs? <laughs> so in the first four years, there were no highs. Uh, and then I have spent a two year research project with no highs. And then I joined NASA and started working on the Kepler mission. So this was NASA's big premier planet hunting mission, which now has gone on to find thousands of planets. And then I was starting to find planets fairly regularly. And now 10 years later, I've found more than 60. Um, so I've been very lucky and I've been able to, to do this with more regularity. But again, I had to put in those hard yards, right? I had to put in my time as a student on this data that wasn't great to get to the really good data. Well, that's really helpful to hear that background and understand that journey. What does it mean to you to be named a game changer in the 2023 Global Australian Awards? It's, it's really exciting because I grew up in a, in a really little town in the countryside of Australia. There were 350 people in my town. Uh, so the idea that someone from that kind of beginning could, could go out and, and change the world, to be a game changer, to, to go out into the world and say, I'm Australian and this is where I came from and look what we can do. That, that's what makes me happy, getting to show everybody that Australians who come from any kind of background can do anything. That's really powerful. And, and I am sure we ain't seen nothing yet. What's, what's, what's the big <laughs> goal for you? What, where would you? what would you love to see yourself doing in 10 years time, say? 
So the big goal of the Kepler mission was to measure one number, which is how common planets like the Earth are. So rocky planets in the habitable zones of stars like the Sun. So the right temperature for liquid water. So Venus is too hot and Mars is too cold, but Earth is just right. So the big question was, when we look at all of the other sun-like stars, how many of them have Earth-like planets? Now, Kepler, unfortunately, wasn't able to get a good handle on that answer. But NASA now has a plan for something called the Habitable Worlds Observatory, which is going to be this huge telescope that we spend the next two decades building. It's going to unfold in space, and it's going to be able to see planets like the Earth around other stars. So my big goal is to be part of that mission. I want to help make that mission happen. I want to find a planet like the Earth. Well, what uh, and thinking about your background and thinking about coming from that small town, what advice would you give to a young person at school or early in their career who has an interest in your field? I would say I've got two pieces of advice. One thing I hear people say is they love the sky, they love astronomy, but they're worried about the maths. They think the maths is going to be too hard. And, and I say, don't worry about the maths. Uh, if you love it, you'll find a way. You don't need to be an A-plus math student. You know, you just need to be able to get some code to work. Honestly, a lot of it's just writing software these days to analyze the data. So one, don't be afraid of the math. If you love the sky, go for it. Find a way to make it happen. Uh, and there are lots of sky adjacent jobs that aren't astronomy. So space journalism, space policy, space education. There's so many things you can do if you love the sky that don't involve a huge math background if you're still scared. And the other thing I would say is it's okay to change your mind, right? It's okay to not know in high school what you want to do. It's okay to not know when you're an undergrad what you want to do. I've changed course two or three times and every time it's just because this new thing came and I was like, ooh, shiny. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I pivoted and that was okay. Like if I had just stuck on my original path, I would be stuck in a biology lab somewhere trying to cure cancer or something. Now I get to discover brand new planets around other stars. Uh, so it's okay to change your mind and to discover new passions and interests and to pivot. Never feel like you're stuck because you said, three years ago, this is what I want to do. You're not stuck. Find something new and exciting. That's fantastic advice. Uh, Kathy, that's all, all the questions I've got on the list, unless you've got some other things you'd like to explore with Jesse. Amazing, Jesse. Gosh, I love what you said about it. So it's okay not to know and it's okay to pivot because my daughter's doing year 12 this year and she is so stressed because she doesn't know what she wants to do. She knows it's science, science, mm -hmm. maths, but she just, I mean, how do you know, really? Some people do at uh -huh. 17, 18, but I think mostly you kind of, you've got an idea of what you enjoy doing. But exactly. No you know the kinds of tasks you enjoy, but I don't mm -hmm. think 17-year-olds know all the jobs that exist, right? Exactly. So how could they expect to know what job they want? I exactly. wanted to be a fighter pilot in grade 12, and I tried to get into the Australian Defence Force Academy, and they wouldn't have me. So when I was in grade 12, my whole life was in ruins, right? Oh, like, no. I was crushed, and my mum just had to be like, you know, there'll be something else. And I'm like, there's nothing else. Uh, <laughs> So I completely understand being in grade 12 and not and realizing you don't know what you want to do because I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And what we will do at some point is put together, 
you know, that sort of advice really, um, mm-hmm. which is so important because honestly, most of the game changers that we've interviewed say exactly what you said. They found their way to it. And mm-hmm. unless they were, okay, there were, there's one or two who knew from day dot that they wanted to be a scientist in this particular area, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, researching, um, finding a cure or a drug, something for cancer. They're very specific, but they're so few and far between. The rest are really very much about finding their journey. Right. Uh, finding their, it's not even a destination. It is just journeying along and then going, oh, like you said, shiny thing. I like this. Let's, let's yeah. head in this direction. Well, and in grade 12, it's, it's easy to feel like the decisions you're making about what university and what course are going to decide your entire life, right? You have to get it right right now or yeah. it's wrecked. Um, yes. and, and just trying to like tell them it's, it's okay. Like go to university, try a bunch of things. You'll find something you like. Do that. It's really okay. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more inspiring stories of global Australian game changers, please go to our website, advance.org.